Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to U2 Why the U2 Design History Podcast. This is episode two, focusing in on U2's first long playing release, Boy. We do get into specifics about the preceding EPs and singles to set the scene and bring us up to speed. Um, From here on in, we're going to focus in on the major releases, up to and including Pop. So, here we go. So having met with Adam and connecting with the band and then arriving upon the name, what was the first step to you beginning to work with them in the artistic side, in the art direction, graphic design side? What was the first project? Uh, it was probably the photo session for that first poster. Uh, I was working with uh, Ian Finley, who subsequently did the uh, the front cover for October and and War. Um, and Ian uh, Ian's assistant was a, a a girl called Phil Sheehy, and uh, uh, Phil was the one that did the session. We we actually did it out in Ian's studio, um, and it was not the first session they'd done. They'd done work with Hugo McGuinness in the past, the the, the photographer who took the the boy cover and some other pictures of the band that were used in the early days. So it was probably the first time they'd been in a proper studio and, you know, on a backdrop and the whole, the whole thing. So, um, I art directed that, um, plus let's talk a little bit about that poster then. It's the mm-hmm. black and white images with the red text. Yes. It's quite a striking poster. I have to say it's quite strong. You know, obviously the intention was to sort of get the name across because it's written on one, two, three, four, five, you know, like nearly 10 several times. times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's very quickly establishing how how much graphic potential the the simple name has, and how the fact that the the, the text is so large behind the band uh, that's sort of a luxury of only having two characters. Yes, so you can yes. see very very quickly how 
effective that is. Yeah, and it's they're un, it's un, they're universal in that it's a it's a number and a letter, so it's universal in terms of um, in any language you could probably understand you know you know what what it is and works that way. But the other thing about that poster, I think that I was trying to to do was to show them as a band, as a unit, but as individuals who made up that that unit as well. Yeah, and you can see, I mean, you know, they look kind of cool. It doesn't look like a first band poster. There's something about it that seems quite sort of young and naive and fresh, but also has a purpose to it. There's definitely a strong kind of collective sense. But obviously, you're ob- you're ob- also establishing some things that sort of bleed through into the first album, which we'll get to. But as you say, the insert photographs of each member of the band, almost like a Beatles reference in a way. Like, can you remember, was there any sort of genesis behind this or was it was just a sort of organic um, process? Yeah, it was it's it was more organic than actually sort of um, thought out and designed. That oh, this is going to be a reference to this, or this is going to be a reference. To that it was simply sitting down, I suppose, with the pictures that I had and saying what's the, what's the best way to do it. And um, the, also, it relates to the size of the poster because they wanted space underneath, as you can see underneath where the U two is written several times. Uh, yeah. That's where they can write in, you know, a date or or an appearance or whatever. So if it had been just a simply a straightforward large poster, you probably would have just had the the band image and and the logo as opposed to to what it is there but at that point that had come across to me quite strongly was that they were these four individuals who who made up this band and and the, the composite of the four of them so that was the first poster first step what came next uh what came next was the irish singles um u23 uh, the ep with um the white cover and the pictures of the boy at that point um the photographs i think were all supplied uh, to me, I don't think I, I we hadn't done that first session at that point, so it was a case of using uh, the images. And I think, and if you look at it, then there's also a little bit of reference to some of the design work that was going on in, say, Manchester and uh, people like Barney Bubbles, Pizza, or whatever way. There's each track on 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 the EP has a, sh- a shape, either a, re- a triangle, a circle, or a or a, a square. Yeah, it's it's. I can't decide if I like it or not. Well, neither can, neither can I, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there's, there's a lot to like about it. And again, yeah. it's, it's definitely strong and bold and there's things in there that are that are seeded for the subsequent releases. Is that is that Pete Rowan on, on, in those images? Yes, that's Peter Rowan, yeah. They, they were, their, their shots were, were all taken at that initial session that Hugo did uh, that turned up on, on the boy cover. So I guess that turned out to be a very fruitful session. Yeah, is that a logo I see before me? I suppose that the U and the two in the in the in the square and the circle were probably an initial attempt to kind of uh, do a logo as such, but without any really committing to it in, in any hard way. Yeah, it's kind of almost got a sort of a Bauhaus aesthetic as well. But was there a significant period of time between this release and the boy cover? Uh, yes, there was. I think that. Um, at that stage, they had were signed to uh, CBS Music in Ireland, and uh, I think they. Now again, I'd have to go back and check my references, but I think that was done, and also the the, the follow up single, um, which was another day, and then day without me. They they were th- there were three singles, but um, certainly another day, and you two three were done before they were signed to Island Records. What we're seeing in in three is sort of seeding some ideas that you come back to in boy so are you saying that the image that was ultimately used on boy is from that session it's from the same session yeah as far as i know i mean it's certainly the same photographer 
in and around the same time. I'm not sure where they were all done on the same day, but the idea to use Peter, uh, again, that was something that the band had decided. And was that coming from Bono? Did that Was this a concept that Bono had pre- presented? Because, again, just sort of getting... Because being a precursor to Boy, you know, maybe some of those, those themes were, were percolating a little bit, but the, yeah. how much of that came from the band and Bono and yourself? I would say that that cover is more of a, of a band decision as to what was on it than it was of specifically Bono. But and maybe to specifically say then or ask, were, were words like innocence or boyhood being thrown around at this point? Not not quite as specific as that. But then if you look at the titles, the titles were uh, Boy Girl, Stories for Boys, Out of Control. Um, they sort of suggested that certain youthfulness. So some of the images on the EP then, just to to, to look at them, you have, there's some props involved. You have like a, a gun. Yeah, I think there was, a, I think there's a sort of hat and, and it looks like a toy gun or whatever. And then if you look, boy girl is 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 him with, with, with a girl beside him. And then... Um, Stories for boys, he's got a, I think it's a chocolate bar. Well, I think that's interesting just that the first image is, again, a sort of a, a throw forward to, to war to a certain degree. And it's like a maybe a, an unconscious or subconscious theme forming on the first release. I actually wanted to point out as well that I found an, uh, a tape release for the Out of Control. Again, I don't think, I don't think to do with that. I think that was specifically um, the record company just went. I mean, that, this is a weird thing. I mean, it's, it kind of carried on through the entire time working with record companies, they quite often ask you to do one thing and then they adapted what you did into other formats without actually having to pay you for, for the additional work. Right. And we'll see that in a very profound way when we get to, to the boy release. But I, I was going to say, I actually quite like the tape of Out of Control. They, the relay out kind of kind of works. It kind of looked nice. It's quite post-punk. It's quite stark. Yeah, I would imagine I mean, what used to happen in those days, uh, the adaption was done quite often by the printer. You know, they'd send the sleeve to him and say, oh, we also need a cassette version of this. And they would take the elements that I that I had and adapt yeah. them. Now, it could be that um, I was involved in it to a degree. I mean, I actually can't, can't remember doing it, but I'm not yeah. saying I, I didn't have an involvement, even in some way laying it out and sort of like offering it to people to, to yeah. do. But yeah. uh, it wasn't the primary thing. The primary thing was the vinyl uh, were the main areas that I was kind of more involved with. So we'll move on to the next release, which which is again pre pre boy, but leading up to the release, and that was at the uh, another day, um, seven inch, which yeah. is credited to Bono. Features a kind of post punky minimal aesthetic. Yeah, there's a kind of almost um, uh, Germanic, especially one mm. of the of the faces on the. Now, I think again, I think what Bono did was he he drew me out a sketch, and I in some ways took the elements and re- redrew it. Um, like, I don't remember the lines being on his original drawing as 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 laid out straight as they are there. I think I, I did that to kind of give the sense of another day of a darkening and, and with the whole thing. But the back cover then is definitely his drawing of the, of the, of the faceless child with, with the sunrise coming up and doing that. And he hand-lettered the, the, the titles as well. So I kind of put it all together. So 
was that a, a big conceptual discussion around it? It was just, here we go, let's let's go. Can you help us out with this? Well, it probably was slightly more conceptual because at that stage we had gotten to know each other better and I got to know the rest of the band. I mean, I'd known Adam and, and Edge, didn't really know Larry Obono in the early times, but as we got to meet in 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 polls and to have discussions, this song that would have been discussed, this certainly would have been, I think, discussed a little bit more than than the three cover. And that, you know, I looked at his drawings and said, yeah, we can certainly use these and, and work with them. And I tried to retain the integrity of what he wanted to do, but tidied up a little bit so that it was a little bit more presentable as and a cover. Do you do you know what what the intention was, or is there any is there any concept behind this that we're not aware of, or it's certainly a sort of a Again, like you say, a strange, kind of slightly Germanic um, theatrical image that's probably wide open to interpretation. But is there some meaning behind any of this? Um, I'm I'm sure there was, but in, in the passage of time, I can't remember exactly what it was. But again, I think it was the theme of of, of childhood play with a certain sinister element uh, happening at the same time. So there was a sort of balance of, of of different things going on in it. But I I don't remember there being too deep a conversation about it. I think. I didn't say, well, what does this all mean to you or whatever, you know, it was, a, yeah. I think when you get to the early days of a relationship like that, you're kind of both finding out the levels of each other's interest and, and, and commitment to what you're doing. Sure. And it does seem, whilst being stark and black and white, it does seem slightly at odds with what sort of was formed with three uh, EP. So it's a curious kind of partnership that then leading us into the next release, uh, A Day Without Me. It, it all, to me, feeds very strongly into the future. I always wondered, do you do you recall the discussion around Boy and A Day Without Without Me seems like a, a, a strange kind of introduction to the band um, and the album Boy. Obviously, I Will Follow is the, the huge breakaway yes. single from that, which was the second single. You know, was there a discussion about the first single, which is obviously a very important thing for a debut album? What's the what's what's the track that that will? Well, I think that with? the I think that the um, the level of commitment at this point uh, was quite different because we've now got uh, Steve Lillywhite on board as producer, um, and I think the shots that that are that are here are by a photographer called Susan Byrne. Again, somebody who worked with Ian Finley, and um, I just had them. I think she'd shown them to me, and I just sort of said, "Can I use these?" Um, and I think I remember the turnaround. This being very, very quick. Mm. Now, as you can see, there's another version of "Day Without Me" that's there on Island Records, which is Island's attempt at the same thing. I just wanted to, um, like, things to make and do has this sort of is taking the dandelion market and has this this sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, a um, what do you call it? A mannequin wearing, wearing some clothes, which is the idea of things to make and do, and paint, paintings on the mm-hmm. wall. Where day without me, I thought was quite a. Um, if that's taken, I think on in Black Rocks, it's on the line out to Dunleary anyway. The, the station sure. there and the baths, and I just like the figure on the bridge on 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 its own. I mean, and it was very simple reproduction in that it's simply silver and black. Uh, so it's just the two colors. Would you know? Was that a was this a shoot or was it just a sort of a, a, a no? It was it, it it was a random photograph mm. of Susan's that she 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 had found. I regularly, as a thing, as a designer, used to ask a lot of photographers to show me any sort of personal work outtakes or things that they didn't uh-huh. use. And in yeah. fact, I and I still have a trunk and used a lot of trunk of. Uh, photographs and, and outtakes and end rolls that people gave me and I just said if I can use these at all I will credit you and, and use them because yeah. quite often the most interesting ideas came from these mistakes and, the, and these oddball ones. But, 
and I'm sure that was you preparing for, you know, a life of fast turnovers and uh, yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was turned down really, really quickly. I just remember them mm-hmm. sort of ringing up and saying, we need something to go out. And I think that's the backside of of, of uh, A Day Without Me that came out on Island Records. But I think in those days, for some reason, the thinking, and again, I'm you know, 100% sure, but I think the thinking was that uh, your first single should be a good single, but your second single should be the better single. That, in other words, you've made, right. some in, you've made some inroads to radio with the first single and the second single. Nowadays, I think people would lead with, a, with, with what they consider to be the strongest track from, from, from the very beginning. At this point now, prior to I, I Will Follow, had you done the cover for Boy, the album? Like, wh- which which kind of came first? Because it well, um, I, the, the the single turnaround would have come very quickly, um, and then then the Boy album cover would have been the the next thing after that. Because the Boy, the I will follow Seven Inch is it seems to me very much to be from that. It's from that session with Peter again, and very much cut from the same silk. So, did the did the did the album? discussion happened first or did the single discussion happen first and the album came after that well the album discussion the i will follow single i don't think i had anything to do with okay uh, that i think that was again island records uh, taking over the reins and and, and doing it okay you see we'll have to probably have to sort of underline a few things that you didn't do that i'm assuming that you did do as well yeah just going to roll back just a, little, a second just on the on the cover as well on a day without me it's maybe worth noting that it is a sort of a a slight precursor to your attraction to widescreen images with a border. Um, yeah. The positioning yeah. of the text also feels a little bit, you know, a throw forward to what we see in later albums. Do you want to speak to that at all? Well, I think that I would have looked at that sleeve and I would have tried making that the full sleeve, and but I think it lost something by being the full sleeve. So that was a matter of bringing it down so you saw the full image, a 35 mil image on the front without losing any of the context of what was there. And again, I think, because of the reproduction and the way it was done, I, I, I have a feeling there simply were photocopies of the originals that were used to get that starkness into them. Right. So so the image degradation is sort of, again, a, 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 a happening by chance or process rather than intention. Yeah, yeah it, yeah. it was definitely done. It wasn't a case of that I didn't have the original photographs to use. I just decided that this looked, seemed to me to be more dramatic um, in keeping with what was going on, especially with the printing the silver behind it as a sort of a, I suppose it was in line with what was what was happening in a lot of um, work that some of the labels like um, Factory Records were doing and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and this all brings to mind what was effectively the only way to to manipulate images back then this is pre-digital this is early literal this is like analog photoshop rather than digital the photoshop that we know nowadays so i think you were exploring different ways to generate and manipulate your images i think it's also worth pointing out that i can see your early inclination to really respect the photograph um in terms of making the design be about the photograph or the photography even say taking the text off the photograph or giving the photograph particular space and foreground focusing on the sleeves yeah well it's quite easy i mean a lot of a lot of design 
um, and certainly it became an issue in, in later years with magazines like Raygun where the designer more or less destroyed the photograph by cutting it up and moving it around and doing various things uh, with it so that it became the design became more prominent but in this particular case I wanted people with most of the sleeves that I, that I did Boyd to have an ability to read something that, of them, themselves into the cover without being dictated to what, what the cover was and what the imagery was I think both those images in line with the track titles uh, allow the, the viewer to kind of put, put something of himself into the into the image. And I don't think there's ever really been a literal U2 cover. I mean, some of them may become a bit a bit closer to the theme. I mean, there's always there's always an attachment, you know, of the cover to the theme of the album or the title of the album. But there's been nothing that's been literal to the point where there's no room for, you know, interpretation, uh, which I think is quite interesting. And I think now is maybe a good time to bring boy into the into the equation can you tell me then like had you heard the album like like let's say like it seems like the wheels are really moving now and momentum is building you know it's time to do the cover for boy what's what was the conversation well um the band were recording in Lane at this point with steve lillywhite uh, and uh, i was invited a number of times to drop down uh, here's a little very weird fact is that as far as i know um i play one note on that album <laughs> okay which note is that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can remember it. Basically, I went down to the studio one day and they had a Cowie synth that belonged to, um, I think it was actually the Cowie synth that, that Dermot Gunn had in, in, in my band. And he yeah. sold it to a friend of, of Bono's. And the okay. synth was sitting there and they didn't really know um, what they wanted to do with it. And I think Steve Lillywood said to me, we need a certain sound, uh, a certain note. So I, it was plugged into the desk and I set, the settings and they played this one note whether it was ever used or not i don't know but it was certainly like like i may have one note on that album okay well if there's any forensic <laughs> audio forensic geniuses out there who can find that note uh we have yeah. 40 years of royalties out out here um, so um but no at that stage now um i still vividly remember sitting down with the band um in uh, my sitting room in my house in Port Marnock at the time and um, going through the contact sheets they brought out to me from the session with Peter. Um, and I immediately sort of went homed in on that one image and I said, that's it, that's the cover. And the more minimal we can make that cover, the stronger it's going to be because people are going to look in a record shop. And at this point, you have to remember, this is a brand new band that people don't know really very much about uh, with their first album. And it could entirely be their only album as a lot of bands that I, that I worked with at the time made one or maybe two albums before their careers were, were over so you don't you didn't know and they had very little clout with the record company because they hadn't had any hits or anything like that so to kind of push that through at the time was quite quite difficult but the sense of minimalism just came that it, it to me the less the um, typography distracted from the image the better the cover was going to be yeah and I, I think that much like the name or indeed really any kind of uh, piece of iconography or graphic or photography that's attached to something culturally significant or that culturally appreciates over time that um, mm. that they become so inextricably linked to each other they're they're so heavily associated with with each other that it's hard to to to, to separate them from from the kind of oeuvre or the the historical cultural weight of where where they went where where that band ended up going in in a way it's kind of fascinating it kind of rewrites history in in a small way 
or reappraises or recontextualizes, you know. Like if you two had only been a a one album band or a two album band, would that cover hold hold water in in a sense, stand the same test of time as part of the arc of you two? I think ultimately one thing you can really state about this sleeve is that it's it's a very direct and very immediate cover sleeve. Yeah, and I mean, to me, what what was the most immediate thing about it was uh, Peter Rowan's eyes. You know, I said that staring at you, at, at you from a cover is is so intense that it it draws you into what possibly the music could be. Um, and what was kind of quite unusual um, at the time was um, I tried to bury the the band's logo or name in the hair, so it wasn't like to the left or right. I wanted the picture to be. I mean, if it was if this was a later release and it was the Pet Shop Boys or whatever, it probably would have had nothing on it, just simply the, the face, which, uh-huh. which would start. But as it was a debut album, they kind of wanted to have some recognition of, of the band's name on it. Um, and, and a lot of people have of, often said to me that they felt that the October cover was more like a band's first release than, than the boy cover. So they kind of reversed the situation by doing this. I mean, I think it is quite remarkable that 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 you know to a certain degree that you got away with this but to have the logo even buried in the in the hairline i think that's a really smart move because it also kind of creates a level of intrigue or mystery or it's it's simultaneously this statement cover but there's also this subtlety to it at the same time and i'm wondering it seems to me like this was a really organic journey to get to this point and and i don't see a huge influence over it i don't see you having many things to reference to sort of sell this at this point. I feel like it just came from where the band was, where you were, where you had been going with your design work to date. Like, I don't see any obvious um, reference points. Was it, did you, were you referencing things at the time or did it just, was this just a completely kind of organic? I think it was kind of organic because, as I say, I, I, I wasn't involved with the actual shoot. So this, these were images that were presented to me and I just wanted to... Um, what my good feeling was this was such a strong image that would make a great poster and backdrop. Well, so let's talk about the idea of minimalism for for a moment, because obviously the boy sleeve is is such an exercise in, in minimalism. And possibly that's what also had it um, peak out above the crowd when it was released, because cause it seems like maybe over-design was the flavour of the month, making a bigger splash rather than the more underdesigned approach, maybe with the exception of, say, the neoclassicism style seen on, say, for example, Peter Savile's Joy Division sleeves. But I think that you establish early on here your proclivity for minimalism and simplicity, you know, which you carry on for quite a few of the of the U two record sleeves, which then, if you know, creates an even more dramatic effect when you pull the rug and the minimalism and in some ways all hell breaks loose with Octone Baby, which when we get to it, we could argue is a minimalist cover in its in its own sense. But yeah, this so could you speak to the idea of your your minimalist tendencies and, you know, the minimalist design sensibilities that you were exercising beginning with Boy? Well, I mean I suppose um it was a reaction against um 
sort of, as you say, over-design that, that happened. And certainly over-design happened an awful lot when, when we started to move to computers and people started to use Photoshop and layers and people just started to overlay you know, loads and loads and loads and loads of things it's onto a bit cover. Or something, yeah. yeah. So it no longer became about a sense of design in some ways. It became about a sense of what you could do with a computer. And um, leaning back into this idea of minimalism and the logo in particular, it's it's also sort of striking to me that you have such a minimalist cover, whilst at the same time you have this super simple band name that's conducive to being big and large on a poster or whatever to 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 attract attention that you didn't deploy that here i mean the first time we see that really is war i suppose but again your sensibilities here are that the image is doing the work it's doing enough we don't need to bolster it up with text or titles or anything like that and i think also i should probably just note that you you have this exceptional kind of talent of of uh viewing a contact sheet for for photographic negatives where you can mm. view a whole roll of film shot on on you know an inch an inch size frame and you have this a, a kind of skill to sort of pick out the one that you think is the one but i just think being so astute in your choice of image i, I wonder does that feed into your idea of like well what more do we need with this image it does because um one thing that i often oh, quite often say to a band is um, and, and a lot of people come to you at the very beginning of a, of a working relationship with the band and say well what we need is a logo and sometimes you create a logo and I, I would try and kind of foster the idea that the the logo is something that is very usable in posters and street posters and, and gigs but I would I will say never let the logo dictate the cover mm-hmm. um, because uh, you don't really need to to uh, consider what the typography is going to look like until you actually have decided what the picture is going to be. And then you look at the picture and say, where is the information about the album title and the band's name going to fit best in this cover? Whereas if you're in motorhead mode or whatever, then you have an existing logo, which you plan kind of then use throughout your in, entire career. In fact, when I've given talks about about design, I've shown examples of, of bands that have used the same logo throughout their entire career. And probably the best example, most well used, is the band Chicago, who mm-hmm. every single cover that they, that they have has used the same logo, but they use it in a very different way. In one case, it's an old flag, and in another case, it's a mm-hmm. chocolate bar, and in another case, it's, it's some other kind of form of branding. And that works because the band themselves, they were something like nine or ten members of the band and and you know they weren't going to be able to focus on 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 guys who look sort of photogenic they're just simply a band um that makes music so therefore this has to stand for it in the same way that um you know motorhead logo has been adapted and used throughout their throughout their career it's pretty much the same the same logo and in fact the heavy metal bands tend to do that quite a lot they tend to have a logo and it stays the yeah. same throughout throughout their career and you build your design structure around that fact that you know that's going to be so it tends to be more graphic it tends to be more more direct well i i can i think then maybe in some ways a good a good visual ana- analogy or visual metaphor is is the idea that for something like motorhead the 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 logo is 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 the ship whereas with something like u2 the use of the name becomes an anchor more so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't say, and, and in, a, in an oddball way, when you think about it, the very choosing of the name U2 um, was uh, simplistic and minimalist in its in its essence itself. It's just two, you know, one one letter and one number. Whereas if the band is called Eurythmics or something a lot longer, it, it, it's a, you have a slightly more difficult situation of, of 
fitting that into the overall context of, of where the cover might be. So with you two, um, the idea is to keep moving ahead and keep using the name in, in different ways type, typographically. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think also by its two-character nature that that you too, written just in a, any typographical sense, put it in Helvetica, put it in Times New Roman, it becomes a logo. So it's kind of hard to avoid the kind of logo, logoistic quality, if that's a word. And it's maybe hard to get away from that fact unless you are burying it completely or not using it at all. Yeah, and as we spoke before, it has a sort of universality because it's it's some, not something you must, can mistake for something else. It It is, you know, readable in pretty well any language. Um, so just, just to sort of wrap up this thought, you, that you weren't specifically on a pursuit of minimalism, you were just serving the image and serving the... The brief and the vibe and you know, trusting those instincts. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the main tenant of a design mm. um, strategy. Essentially, I mean, I came from a point where the people who, who I often admired um, in what they did uh, were people like uh, Rick Griffin, who did the Grateful Dead album covers, who were far from from minimalist. They were kind of like uh, very multi illustrated, or even hypnosis and the way that hypnosis, uh, you know. Mm. were essentially photographic based but they you know they tell stories with the covers and that was an interesting way of doing it it may be a very minimalist image but the image then told a different story going back to this this pre-photoshop era once again just to talk about how you had some flexibility in how you presented an image or realized an image and there's a discernible quality to the image as well that gives it a sensation of being not fully developed and it's photographic sense as well that it's between fully developed full you know full contrast full de- development and um indicative of of almost a personality being formed or an, or an image being formed itself uh when it came to do boy i actually had phil Sheehy, uh Get get hold of the negative and reprint them with a lot less contrast in them when it went for the cover and and the reproduction of the sleeve was wasn't a particularly good reproduction in those days they, they used a fairly coarse screen and 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 the reproduction quality wasn't great um, the 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 prints were very kind of like they are there almost burnt out kind of kind of effect to them so you kind of had a doubling down on the on the effect you were hoping to achieve then or a tripling down even in the sense that you had a boy who's in you know early in development let's say you have an image which is halfway through its development and then you have a printing which is 
not fully developed itself in its print standard, in its contrast, in its in its quality of its of its ink. And again, I suppose the other interesting thing, probably on the back cover, there would be a temptation to put a band photograph on the back cover. Um, and again, yeah. I, I you know. I wanted to stress this 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 four people that make up this one one band and uh, Phil Sheehy again took these portraits uh, for the album for the album cover and they were shot um, I think in the studio um, against a white backdrop in the studio and uh, um, yeah I think it's it maybe just yeah to flip over to the back for for a moment um, it seems like an age since the first poster and I'm sure the timeline is relatively small but like you can already see the confidence the poise the synergy of the four faces and the four personalities working together again you really get a sense of this being a band whilst the front cover has absolutely nothing to do with a band yeah well there was a lot of discussion uh we did have a lot of discussion probably coming from me about bands that had a look that looked like a band like and and, and certainly referencing say the first beatles the first stones bands like the small faces and bands like that I, where the entire band had a look that was that was a band look, whereas that wasn't very prevalent. And certainly, a lot of Irish bands didn't did not have that kind of feel of, of doing that. I sort of, and that's what we were trying to achieve. And that's why I wanted those photographs to be quite dark, you know, and they're almost silhouette types of things um, mm. of what they are, you know, and sort of the strength of the characters of the people that were involved in this. The sleeve itself brought with it a certain amount of controversy when it was released worldwide, resulting in, a, in an alternative sleeve for the US market that you had nothing to do with. How do you feel about that now, looking back? When you look at it now, you can see a little bit of the uh, worries that the American record companies and, and, and international companies had of the cover. There's a certain element of posing in it which I think was a probably a slightly worrisome part for some people. Um, yeah. We certainly initially, because of our enthusiasm for the image and, and, and what the band wear, didn't cop that. We didn't say, oh, this is going to be an image that's going to be tagged as possibly pedophilic in, 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 in its intent. Um, it was the innocence. We were the complete opposite is what we were looking for and trying to achieve with it. But we, 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 you know, we wanted it to be this particular way. As again, I don't know if I had been doing that that particular uh, session, mm-hmm. that I, I would have had him have his hands behind his head, mm-hmm. which is ironic when you get to, to, to war, when I definitely did want him to have his hands behind his head. It's certainly, a, a in a way, a provocative image, but it's also a very innocent image. And I think maybe the... The combination of those two two things gave it its energy in a, in a sense. I certainly don't think there's you know there's a the nefarious side that was perhaps being being um, suggested. But did you know? Did you know? Were you privy to this concern? No, um, I actually didn't know anything about it. I was absolutely unaware. Nobody had actually contacted me to tell me that, that this uh, had, ris- had, ar- had arisen as a possible problem. Um, the only uh, situation that emerged later on was after the fact, when I saw the cover 
um, and didn't know they had changed it and sort of went through, went and spoke to them and said, well, what's what's the story here? I mean, and they were more or less saying they were under a huge pressure to get the album out um, in, in Amer- America. But this is what was happening. And this is not the first time there's controversy over, over a U2 cover in the United States. But um, we, I didn't know anything about it. But Bonos had, I had done a poster for... Um, some some gigs the band did in in the uk and what i'd done was i'd taken some of the images that i had of the band and used them in the photocopier to to stretch them to sort of get the energy but yeah same time keep some of the recognition of the of the people by by stretching the images and i did a load of these on the photocopier and i showed them to to the band and we chose one to do the three dates in london poster that, that that came out a little bit later on um and then uh, I, I found out subsequently, and I, I've seen a, a, a piece in one of the YouTube fan sites where the guy who designed the cover uh, with, with the Island Records designer were talking about it. And I found it a little bit dispiriting. I found that the, he was kind of dismissing, oh, we just used, we, all we had was some press shots. They weren't press shots. They were s- shots that were taken specifically for the, for the album cover release. Um, and again, there was a little, Bono had said to me later that um, he had showed them the, the idea of the post and, and they started to use this idea of stretching them in, in the photocopier. So I don't think it, it, that, that cover happened totally you know, without any reference to what was going on. Well, I guess it's probably a factor of the of time and the age where, you know, there was no email, phone call and phone calls are probably the primary um, communication. And it, I imagine the, the, the turnover again was probably quick and decisions were probably made before getting a full sign off or whatever um and do you do you recall did paul have a have a a voice in this and did oh, he i'm sure he did say- I mean, i'm sure again i mean this was their debut album they weren't a huge success at this point i mean they weren't a big selling band so i think they're their uh, hand was slightly you know against the odds because because you know had they been this had been their third or fourth album and, and they'd been selling lots of records then they probably would have had a greater say in what happened but i i think he fought for uh the cover as it was in ireland and the uk um yeah. and that's probably as, as as much as they could take it but if there was this huge pressure from america to say no we're not raising this in this cover that he went along with what was done but i was you know it's slightly strange that there was no reference back to me at all because can you come up with an alternative idea but as I said before, I think that the record company did not want me to be involved. Uh, I mean, I know for a fact that um, they had said at some point to the band, you know, why are you using some kind of, sort of in, in in their terms, reference some kid in Dublin to do the album covers when you you could u- utilize this great art department to, to do it. Um, and and that's why I say, in fairness to the band and to Paul, they stood one hundred percent behind um, what we presented to them. So this was your first experience um, being sort of second guessed. And, you know, this happens in these kind of industries where it's always like, you know, this illusion of there being uh, some someone bigger and better who you could be working with because you're drawing more power, which uh, is usually um, a load of bullshit, to be honest with you. But I, I do wonder, thinking about it now and thinking about, uh, OK, there are some clear undertones or overtones to the, to the image that could be seen a certain way. But I, I wonder if it was simply behind the scenes, someone went we're not putting out a debut album with without the band on the cover and no and with the logo buried in the in the image and there's no title like i wonder was that more of a guiding decision than than the reason that was ultimately given I actually think it was a combination of that. I think that there was, at a certain level in the marketing department, a, a worry about the cover image, but I think this was leapt upon by by uh, other aspects of the label, 
um, that wanted to take control of this thing. I mean, we, when we talk about the length of time that, you know, of, of my working with, with you two, it's a fairly unique situation because I, I, when I worked with other bands, um, I might do an album cover with a band and, and be deliberately told that the next album cover was going to be done by some other design company because mm. the record company wanted to can hold all the reins. They didn't want um, a, a relationship being established between the, the, the band and a designer as such. Mm. It's very rare. I mean, Storm Thorgerson's work with, with Pink Floyd is one exception. And John Warwicker, who worked with later Rolling Stones covers, are is another example of a relationship that's been built up between the artist and the thing. But then both Pink Floyd and, and the Stones were, in a sense, proven quantities at that point. And look, this is why this is why we're here. This is why this is why I wanted wanted to do this because it, it's a very rare thing, and I, I I tip my hat to to the band and the management for maintaining that relationship for so long with with all of its sort of pitfalls and tribulations that come with the industry. Well, I should say I should say to be, just to make the point that. Uh, in my conversations with the band, um, and when I did some of the early work, the posters and things like that, there was very little or no fees involved in it. My request to the band is, I, I want to do the album cover. That's mm. way, you know, I wanted to do album covers and I wanted specifically to do this album cover. Um, and, but the band said, yes, they would they would respect that. But I was told very clearly, and this is something that was quite important, that from that point onwards, um, they would use uh, me as a designer or, or um, myself and Sean McGrath as a team if the work we came up with um, was the best that was there. Um, yeah. So it was not a given fact that you would do the first album cover and then you would be on this long-time relationship with the band uh, for a long time. You had to m make sure the work, work was, in a sense, world-beating uh, as good as anything they could possibly get anywhere else in the world from that point onwards. And that to me was challenging. And it was also a good thing to know because you didn't fall back on any, oh yeah, we don't have to worry about that. We've got this job in the bag. You had to come up with really, really good design. Well, that's, I mean, that's even more remarkable because it meant that you, you know, you never got comfortable with the the various stages of evolution. And I, I hate to use the term, but reinvention that came with a band. Uh, you obviously had to sort of evolve and, and revolve and, move with them in their ebbs and flows which is which, which I, sh I assume was very stimulating as a designer and also very challenging which is what you'd want yeah you can't rest on any laurels you really have to, have to and you also have to sort of look at what is happening graphically around the world because it's very easy and it's happened in more than one occasion when you you think of an image or see an image and you say oh this make a great cover and then you suddenly find that the same image has been used somewhere else so you you Practically at that, at that stage in my life and, and, and up to most recently times, I would be in record shops every day. I would be constantly looking at uh, images in, in magazines. Sleeves were something that was of huge importance to me. So um, you were trying to plow this furrow that was specifically you too and not related to anything else that was going on. Yeah, and even when you did employ or use pre-existing images that weren't specifically created or shot for the cover, it always felt like... It, it was integrating into the greater design aesthetic. We'll talk about, yeah, let's just talk about some of the nitty gritty on Boy. There's some interesting characteristics here that that I think, again, are, I, I keep saying it, but are sort of pushing forward to things that happen later. First of all, we have a silver outer, uh, maybe it's, the, it's called it a frame, I think on different yeah, versions. Frame it's or like border. A yeah, frame yeah. silver border, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. Like, why why not just the, the stark white? Why did you choose to have a silver border? What was the thinking? <laughs> 
I, I think because it, this was essentially a black and white cover, I felt that it needed something a little bit more rich in it. And, and people didn't often use a silver as, as, as a color. And, it, and it's so reflective of light um, um, and a very interesting balance between, because between, it's not gray and it's not something else. It's just, it's, it's a thing of its own. And as you say, uh, silver and gold, as as colors became very much a part of the the palette that we used with you two for quite a, a number of years after that because it's sort of so effective in, in its use and it started back on 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 the irish um a day without me cover and i just was something that i i, I quite like i'd probably been aware of it and in my own uh commercial work that 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 you know these metallics are an interesting combination with, with whatever else so and again they, they could have been denied by the record company and said no no we're not Going to, uh, but I think I was told that if it was if it was a full color sleeve, then they would have not used the silver. Sure, it, sure. but uh, I wanted a starkness and I wanted this kind of extra dimension to it, and I think it was always proved to be very successful. I was going to a point to say is that you know just relate a little bit back to the earlier conversation. Uh, ultimately, obviously, the 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 boy cover as as designed by me became the cover. Um, everywhere in the world that, that the it's 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 virtually impossible now to find a, a copy of the american album cover because it, mm. it was uh the fans clamored for this cover they really liked it and, and you know i don't think there's ever been a problem with the content of the cover but um it just proves the point that we our instincts but, but and, and i say our instincts because it was it was the band on myself um there was a lot of interplay between the, f- the five of us to to come to these decisions of what we're going to do so i think it was a mm. it was a, a worthy combination yes I, I i totally agree and i think that it's it's as i said earlier on it's the kind of it's the perfect encapsulation of a band in its infancy uh via this this imagery and this confident um portrayals of the band on the back i do think this is a good time to mention another little uh easter egg that adam clayton in the second frame down is wearing a pair of your glasses is that correct that's correct yeah he didn't feel happy with the glasses that he had with him on the day uh, and i was uh, quite often had a pair of glasses with a sort of clear frame so adam is wearing my glasses uh, in that picture and this was i think something that might have happened a few times throughout there <laughs> well you, uh, there, you know when you're dealing with a band uh, and on different levels you 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 get into the nitty-gritty of things like what people should wear and how they should mm-hmm. and how they should look and so on and you said that they the 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 boy cover shows a confidence in the photography and that's something that i very much drilled into them from an early stage is, is if you don't if you do a photo session and you look at the pictures and you don't learn from those that first set of pictures how to stand how to who looks best in what particular way and the whole thing uh, and and you can see that in a bandist and a lot of sessions they almost automatically form into a, a way of 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 being um that works very very well for them well i think a lot of the times it's a, it's a defense mechanism or a lack of confidence or trust because i think that that's something that you i can feel you know i can sense it having been on i guess both sides of the camera that the best photographs are the photographs that come out of just a just an inherent trust. You let yourself go. Some bands, I think, just hold all of these reservations and these, you know, uh, self awareness, whatever it is, and you can see it. It just it just exudes through their body language. Whereas you don't see that in these images. It feels very very comfortable. And uh, even though I know, you know, maybe one or two members of the band weren't as comfortable. Well, being I think the, you, you you can even see on the boy pictures that Larry is the least comfortable looking yeah. in the pictures. Mm. 
but still seems like he's still so Larry there. You know, it's it's oh, yeah. He's he has at this point got done a photo session with with, with Phil and gotten used to me, um, mm-hmm. and and would take direction. Would, would you know you say to him try you know try this or whatever it is. It was always uh, done in in a in a very easygoing manner. There was no sort of dictatorial. You've got to look like this. You've got to do what yeah. we tell you or whatever it is. You know, you worked with the band to get the best out of them. Yeah, I really like on the rear that you have this pinstripe again that Peter Rowan is is actually breaking the pinstripe, giving it almost a sort of a sort of a three D effect. It's- yeah, just to, just just to sort of break out of, the, of that little image. And again, mm-hmm. the, the silver is used as the frame around each of the photographs. Now, if you think if that was just black or that was um, no frame at all, uh, it just wouldn't have quite the same feeling that it has with the use of the silver. Again, on the on the back cover, as on the on the front. Now it was also an inner bag, which was a a fake shot of Bono uh, singing, which was again shot in the studio. Uh, and again, what I was trying to do, which reflected later in 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 the live poster, was to get movement, to capture mm. that movement that he was this this burgeoning frontman who was gaining confidence and all the time in the way he pres- he worked with the band. Mm. And on the flip side, actually, well, not on the flip side of, of the record, but on, on the other hand, when they released the I Will Follow video, which I think was just a, sort of a basic, almost TV style appearance with, you know, they had, had the boy image on the background. And I just I just watched it again recently and it's so stark. It's so direct. It's it's just really confident and it creates this kind of great whole aesthetic, you know, yeah. where it's not like I think, again, it's just to, to have a band, have their album cover and then appear in a video in, a, in an entirely disparate way was probably the more common thing but to have this image you know permeate through to, to their videos from their album cover i think is pretty yeah unique. well i think again with paul with his uh, tv production background realized that very early on and they got a very large uh, print of of the cover done and if you look at any of the live photographs in the states or anywhere else it really stands out i mean this is before video screens and back all the things that later came into play this one massive image of this boy's face looking at you it draws you in the way it did on the cover and I think that was an important aspect of what they were doing then and I think throughout their career you know most of the stage presentations were were disseminated elements from the artwork well it was certainly a cross fertilization I mean mm. once they they sort of got bigger on the touring and once the, the sort of the revenues for the touring came in a team was put together and we were uh, a faction or factor of that team but not necessarily the entire thing they had uh, you know uh, willie williams and other people were involved in the stage design and the lighting and 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 the video screens and you know um it kind of uh developed into a very very big thing from that point but early on it was simply like right up to the joshua tree where the scrims on the each side of the stage where the silhouette of the of the tree was, was what was used so i'm just going to ask you then just to wrap up like if you've any overarching uh pearls of wisdom or regrets or strong thoughts having gone through this boy cover and everything that came with it i think probably when asking you know what you're looking back on it i would just like to have a little bit more control to be a little bit more uh, probably for my own fault to be stronger in 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 my delivery of of the all the other aspects of the of what the band were doing so that the singles the cassette covers things like that would have some greater relevance to to what the album cover was as opposed to being put together by the, the record company and well, i'm sure you didn't want to over overstep your boundaries as well i'm sure there was a little bit of just being careful well it had to be at that stage yeah, yeah because uh, you know i mean they didn't particularly want anything done by anybody outside of their own um design department yeah. so yeah it's a, and then from a per, like a personal point of view or an emotional point of view um, were, you, were you proud of your work? How did you feel 
Yeah, I, 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 I thought the cover was very strong. I mean, I knew, as I say, from the contact sheet to the finished cover, I, I knew, and the fact that I had to go out, you know, I went out and got new prints done and, and that the prints that I was given initially by from Hugo McGuinness, um, I didn't think had enough texture or whatever in it that, and, and enough of the elements that I really wanted to bring out. So I got Phil uh, Sheehy to, to, to reprint from the negative and, and give myself a stronger uh, element to work with. And then going out and shooting the uh, four images from the back cover and the image of Bono in, in the studio, singing in the studio, they were all kind of like art directed and, and, and done. Um, and I was happy with that. I, I think, again, the, the back cover is a certain minimalist uh, you know, t- side to it as well that I think works pretty well. And that has been episode two of U2Y, focusing in on the boy release and various singles and EPs. Special thanks to Bono, Edge, Larry and Adam for their blessing. To Nadine for her kind support alongside Universal Music. You can sign up for exclusive news or updates at stephenaverill.com forward slash U2Y. Or you can follow him on Instagram forward slash Stephen Averill Design. The next episode, of course, will look at the difficult second album, October. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.